16 through 18. Page 1121 of your pew Bibles. Romans 6, 15 through 18. This passage right in the center of the book of Romans, which follows the road from depravity, being lost, being utterly hopeless, through uh, the cross of Christ into life, life for the Christian. And um, the passage that we'll read from the center of this great chapter of God's Word, Romans 6, will focus us on what it looks like to be freed from sin. The Christian is free from sin, from death, from a life of disobedience. And as I'm reading, pay attention especially to verse 17 of what um, we'll read in just a moment. We'll be thinking today about the Christian life, a life of gratitude, a life of being set free from sin. And before I read, let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Let's pray. O Lord, you have blessed us richly already today through music, through prayer, through visions of the beautiful world that you have made, through fellowship. You have blessed us with your word already. You have blessed us with rest today. And God, now we pray that you would bless us through your word. That as I preach and as we hear your word, that you would give us thoughts that are your thoughts, that you would shape us into people who are truly thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans 6, starting at verse 15, Paul asks, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either sin, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We find more teaching on this matter of showing thanks to God, having been delivered from sin, in the great words of our Heidelberg Catechism, questions and answers 63 and 64. And those words will be projected on the screen uh, behind me. And um, it's really dealing with the same question that the Apostle Paul is seeking to answer. Having been delivered by Christ, by grace, from our sin, what will be the impact of that deliverance on our life, particularly on our moral life? So the authors of the Catechism ask the question, how can our good works be said to merit nothing when God promises to reward them in this life and the next? And the answer is that this reward is not earned, it is a gift of grace. And then in question 64, we find a very similar question to what we just read in Romans 6, verse 15. But doesn't this teaching about grace make people indifferent 
and wicked. No, it is impossible for those grafted into Christ through true faith not to produce fruits of gratitude. Said in another way, it is impossible for a Christian who is truly a Christian not to be thankful, not to give thanks to God. When someone hears the gospel, they might assume that it creates a problem. Here's the issue that could arise in people's minds when they hear the gospel message. They might say, if a person is saved by grace and not by anything that you've done, not by anything you could ever do, won't that person then just live however you want? Won't that person just disregard God's law and just do whatever they want for the rest of their life? In Romans 6, verse 15, Paul anticipated that question and and asked, are we to sin because we're no longer under the law but under grace? So does sin now no longer even matter? Or this was repeated in question 64 of the Catechism, doesn't the teaching of salvation by grace make people indifferent and wicked? Now we don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of psychology this morning, But you could make the argument that if someone is given a gift instead of earning it, they will value the gift less. They'll value that thing less than if they would have had to work hard to earn it for themselves. That would be the natural reaction to receiving a gift. People don't know what it took to earn. They don't know what it took to gather that money up to purchase the present. They just received it. This happens whether people are children or in any uh, phase of their life. Even if it's something that you enjoy or something that you really needed, that person won't fully understand the experience of earning the gift, and so it could be argued that they won't appreciate it in the same way. This is especially true when a gift is something that somebody receives regularly. So if it isn't just a one-time amazing gift, but it's something that you would receive uh, yearly or maybe even daily, you would become eventually entitled to that thing that you're receiving. Imagine that every year you receive a really good birthday gift, but every year it's the same thing. That sense of excitement in the first year becomes a sense of entitlement by year three or four, and that entitlement grows each year that you receive this very good thing. That's how we naturally respond to receiving a present. But Romans 6 and the Heidelberg Catechism both teach that God's gift of salvation isn't just something that we receive, but God's gift of grace changes us. It changes the heart. It changes the Christian heart, so that the response will be thanksgiving, will be gratitude. It is impossible for a Christian who is truly a Christian not to be grateful for the life that we have in Christ Jesus. It is impossible. That's what the Heidelberg Catechism taught. And that's what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 6. But thanks be to God, he wrote, that you who were once slaves of sin have now become obedient from the heart 
So it's not an external, superficial, showy obedience to God's law. It's an obedience now that God has created within you from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you've now become slaves of righteousness. So notice here that the person who is a Christian is obedient from the heart. That God does not just forgive us and send us on our way, But he desires to change us, to change our hearts. He puts desires and motivations in our hearts that are set on his will. God doesn't just give you a gift. He transforms your life. God doesn't just give you something, and and that's what we remember on Thanksgiving Day or on Christmas Day, that he just gives the world a nice gift, but God has come to change sinners to transform our lives so that we would receive life in Jesus' name. And then the Catechism put it this way, it is impossible for those grafted into Christ through true faith not to produce fruits of gratitude. So true faith will result in a life of gratitude. It doesn't just come naturally to us, but we are forgetful, rebellious, ungrateful people by nature This is the result of being grafted into Christ. When you are in Christ, when you know Christ, how can you not be thankful to him? Abraham Kuyper, in his amazing work, Pro Reggae, put it this way, No believer will fail to acknowledge with thanksgiving that it is Christ who guides him personally in the inner life of his soul. That's a bold statement. No believer will fail to acknowledge with thanksgiving that it's Jesus who is our Lord. It's Jesus who is our Savior. It's Jesus who deserves our worship. This means that the Christian will thank God for the forgiveness of your sins, for giving you life in Jesus' name. That this is a natural rhythm of the Christian year and month and week and day. When you're a true, authentic Christian, born again by the Spirit of God, you'll thank God for the progress that you're seeing in following Jesus. When you are a true Christian, you will thank God for enabling you to understand His will for your life. When you are a true Christian, you will thank God for giving you a heart that seeks first His kingdom and His righteousness. When you are a true Christian, you will thank God for the daily encouragement that He gives you through the Holy Spirit the daily comfort that He gives you through the Holy Spirit. When you're a true Christian, you will even thank God for what He has promised to give you and not even given you yet. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. The true Christian is thinking not only about what they have received and are receiving, but of what God has promised to give us, namely, entrance into heaven through Christ the promise of a perfect life for him in his new creation. When the Apostle Paul wrote that you are a slave to sin and and are now a slave to righteousness, he chose that image of now being a slave to righteousness because it communicates that you were once ruled by a master who was sin and disobedience, and now you're ruled by a desire to do what is good. You're ruled by this desire to give thanks to God. So, 
You won't just give thanks because somebody told you to or because that's the day on the calendar. It says Thanksgiving Day at the bottom and so I guess this is the day that we give thanks now. No, the Christian gives thanks because you're ruled by Christ and you're ruled by the Spirit, ruled by this desire to give thanks. And so, just as Pastor Zach said earlier, this is a holiday that comes so naturally for the Christian So throughout the day today, I hope that you will think of giving thanks less as something that you have to do and more as something that just comes naturally from within you to look at what God has done and to give thanks to Him. Just as Pastor Zach was praying and as uh, the girls were singing, really at different points in the service already today, um, just the Spirit has, has... prompted me to just think on the Lord Jesus Christ. Just think for a moment about the Lord Jesus Christ and give thanks to God. The Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate, walking the earth, living a perfect life, dying on a cross, risen to life, teaching the disciples, doing wonderful miracles, ascended to heaven, now seated on the throne over the heavens and the earth. Think on the Lord Jesus Christ. As the Bible calls us, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only are you saved, but you'll give thanks. Think upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and when the Christian does, you'll live with gratitude. We think of giving thanks today and, and often, I think, in, in terms of something that we say. We say thank you. It's something we're trying to train our children to do, say please and thank you. And, of course, that's part of giving thanks, is saying thank you to God in prayer, singing thank you to God, saying thank you to the people in your life who bless you. But in the biblical understanding of thanksgiving, it's about a lifestyle, it's about a spirit that, that sort of wells up within you and pours out not only in your words, but, but in your actions as well, in your thoughts, in your desires. Among the many things that you can be thankful for today, the greatest is not so much something that is outside of you or given to you, but it's about what God is doing within you, giving you life through Christ. You might recall that God gave Israel the Ten Commandments after he delivered them from slavery. That's right in the preamble of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. These are the commands the Lord your God has given you. Listen to this, Israel, after he's delivered you out of slavery. Now here is how you will show thanks to God. How you'll um, please God with your lives. The way for Israel to show their gratitude to God was to live according to to his laws. And so it isn't just something that they say, it's in how they live. No longer slaves to sin, but now slaves of righteousness, servants of God. Among those Israelites who were born again by the Spirit of God, they never forgot the deliverance they had from Egypt, so they obeyed God's law. They never forgot what God had done in Egypt and at the Red Sea 
and in the wilderness. They had never forgotten what they were delivered from and through. And so the response is to serve God with gratitude. It was impossible for them to forget walking through the Red Sea for those who were born again. They were obedient to God from the heart. But this wasn't the case for all those in Israel, is it? There were those who forgot very quickly. For those who didn't have faith, for those who were not born again by the Spirit, it was only a matter of weeks, it seems, that they had forgotten walking through the Red Sea. They had forgotten the signs and wonders God did over Egypt and and against Pharaoh to deliver the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And so they experienced the opposite of thanksgiving in their life. They lived a life of complaining, a life of ingratitude. The people who lived with faith were those who brought sacrifices of thanksgiving to the Lord and who never forgot. The people who lacked faith were those who would grumble against the Lord, who rebelled against Moses who focused not on what God had done, but who thought exclusively about what God wasn't doing that they wanted him to do. But the Christian, the believer, the one who's born again, does not forget what God has done. One of the dangers of our surrounding culture right now is... I would say the dual threat that they're related to one another of forgetfulness and discontentment. Forgetfulness and ingratitude. We forget what God has done, and when that happens, we become ungrateful to God. We we complain, we grumble against God. We think about what we don't have instead of what God has given We are tempted to look at the negative and complain instead of dwelling on all the good that God has done, is doing, and has promised to do around us. And there's a subtle way that this comes out in music and movies. I was just struck by this when I was watching a YouTube channel of a a music producer examining this song, Imagine, by John Lennon, a song full of terrible theology, but musically is a very beautifully written song and so I was curious about what this music producer would say about the song Imagine and what struck me in listening to the song again is John Lennon's profound discontentment. A profound and pervasive even ingratitude. Lack of thanksgiving looking at all of the things in the world that John Lennon wishes were different. Imagine, and it sounds like a nice, beautiful song, but actually, when you listen to the word, it inspires ingratitude. It inspires forgetfulness and complaining. The lyrics are born out of a sense of Lennon's discontentment. It's as if John Lennon is reminding us of all the things that are wrong in the world and just try to imagine if the world was more like he thinks it should be. Imagine if the world were my way or more what I think it should be. There's a striving towards a goal in that song that will never be grasped. And so the result of believing the bad theology of that song is going to be permanent discontentment and ingratitude. 
But the Christian remembers. The Christian remembers what God has done. The Christian remembers what God is doing. The Christian remembers what you've already received in Christ. And all of the striving that you do is towards a fuller enjoyment of what you've already received. What a difference between the worldly striving towards a utopian future versus the Christian striving towards fuller enjoyment of what God has already given us, of what God has already done through Christ Jesus at the cross and in his resurrection. Brothers and sisters, we don't gather at church primarily to strive for a future utopia. We gather at church week after week, including today on Thanksgiving Day, to remember what God has done what he has done, what he is doing, and what he has promised to do. And so we're striving towards the future, but with hope, knowing that we've already received so much in Christ. We remember what God has given us in Christ, and that results in thanksgiving today. It also results in confidence and rest as we seek him as we seek life in him and not in ourselves. The Apostle James wrote about a faith that is without works. That faith is dead. And we could say the same thing about thanksgiving. That a thanksgiving without works, without really living for God, is kind of a dead thanksgiving. He said, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. He said, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And again, we can translate that into thanksgiving language and say, have have James saying, I will show you my thanksgiving by how I live. I will show God my thanksgiving by what I do, by how hard I work, by who I take care of, by the compassion that I show to people who are needy by how I use my money. I'll show thanksgiving, of course, not just today with my words, but with my lifestyle, says James. So in keeping with James's instruction, we are going to put our thanksgiving to work today. We've already done so by singing, by praying, by sitting under the teaching of God's Word, and we're going to do so today through the gift of an offering by giving our money to God. This is a way that we can show thanks to God. And um, there's a lot happening during an offering like what we're about to receive today, what the deacons are going to collect here at the front of the church. Think firstly of it as thanksgiving to God. That as you're coming forward to bring an offering, that it's, it's as if you're coming forward to to an altar to bring a thank offering like the Israelites would have done in the Old Testament. And the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. God loves somebody who is cheerfully giving thanks to him with our money. But also, as you come forward, you're giving thanks for what God is doing through the great ministries that our deacons have encouraged us to support. That God is at work in this church, and we give thanks for it and support the work of the church. 
that God is at work in all of these different ministries in um, South America and Asia and Africa. God is at work all throughout the world in places that are near and far. And as we come forward to bring an offering, we're giving thanks to God for inspiring that work. The Catechism taught that it is impossible for a true Christian not to give thanks. It's impossible for a true Christian not to see what God is doing in the world. If you are already, if you already have all that you need in Christ, you won't have to tight-fistedly hold on to what you have. But one of the fruits of gratitude that will be evident in the Christian life is a generosity of spirit, including a generosity with our money. God has given you every penny you have, and you can trust him with it. You can trust him and return it to him, as Romans 11 reminds us, all things, including our money, from him, through him, and for him. So, brothers and sisters, we're going to give thanks now with our offerings, remembering that God has been faithful, that God is at work in our church, around us, and even throughout the world, and that God loves when we, give, when we put our thanksgiving to action by bringing offerings up to him. Let's pray.